Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rain. So in this episode, I want to talk about one of my favorite books of all time. It's, it's called Supernatural, Meeting with the Ancient Teachers of Mankind. So this book was written by Graham Hancock. And basically what this book is, it's, it's an investigation into what made, us hu- <clears throat> what made us human, how we became conscious. So Graham, basically his journey takes him deep to his journey to answer this question takes him deep into the world of the supernatural. And one of the things I like most about this book is, is Graham Hancock, who's a former investigative journalist. He does a great job of attacking this problem with a scientific approach using reason and logic as much as possible, you know, removing a lot of the nonsense that can come when you're investigating things such as the supernatural. So very good job at attacking this problem. And so basically the book starts off with, like I said, it's, it's investigating this idea of what's called the missing link. And it's essentially the greatest riddle in human history. See, nobody knows how we became conscious, right? When you look at us compared to any other animal, we're completely different. We have art, we have cities, we have cars, we bury our dead. We are, we look animal and we have an animal background, but we're clearly something else. And so this idea of the missing link is this idea of how did this happen? Just, it seems like one day all of our gifts just seem to appear out of nowhere, in an instant, like a light was turned on. So one day it seemed like our our brain size doubled and, and everything changed. And not only is this a a huge riddle that no it, it's been talked about forever, even the story of Adam and Eve is is the story of, of us becoming conscious, right? They they eat the apple, they're eating from the tree of knowledge. And, and all of a sudden everything changes. And there's even a quote in there that says, if they eat of the tree of knowledge, they will become like us, meaning they will become like God's knowing, having knowledge, having awareness, having consciousness. So it is a very fascinating topic that's talked about everywhere. So, you know, there are a few ideas out there that are pretty good on, on trying to um, tackle this missing link idea. One of them is is using fire to cook our food. There's a great book called Catching Fire, How Cooking Made Us Human by Richard Wrangham, which his theory is that when you cook food, it releases more calories and more calories allow you to feed your brain, which then allows you to essentially grow your brain. There's one, one thing about the brain is it takes a lot of energy to run. So you need a lot of fuel to fuel that big brain of ours. So that's, that's one idea of, of, of the missing link. Another one, one of my favorite ones is the stoned ape theory. And this was put forth by Terrence McKenna. Um, basically he said that in our ancient, ancient past, back when we were more ape like creatures, that, there was a change in our environment. We went from the rainforest into more grassland areas. And, and once we became, once we were in these grassland areas, we started essentially chasing cows and animals 
big animals like that to, to hunt. And one thing that's very interesting about certain varieties of mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms to be exact, they grow in cow shit. And so when these ancient ancestors of ours were, were chasing and essentially hunting these larger animals that they would most likely stumble across a mushroom growing out of cow shit, eat it, and boom, all of a sudden they have greater language, better visual IQ, you know, they can see better, smell better, their senses are heightened, you know, fascinating theory. But basically, I, I just bring those two up, the cooked food and the stone age, to say that there, there are other ideas of, of how we became conscious. But but this book, Supernatural, is is another theory to this. And so the book starts off with talking about cave art, the rise of cave art found in, in France and Spain and other European sites. So around thirty to 40,000 years ago, all of a sudden it seems like this, this art has been found in caves. And, and the art is actually done very well. It's not just scratches into rocks. They've actually using paints and various powders for color, and there's a lot of detail, and it's it's basically done very well. So so the fact that they're doing art in caves shows that all of a sudden they have this awareness that's unlike anything else on the planet. And but there's a lot of interesting things about this cave art, but one of them is the focus of the art. Yeah, there were there were some animals drawn and painted, and there were some humans painted, but there were also these a lot of mythological type creatures, these half man, half animal type creatures, things that we might think of such as demons and angels and fairies and elves. And this these mythological creatures are found in caves and rock art, ancient art from all over the world. So it's extremely interesting. And the big question is, is why, right? This is kind of what this book is trying to discover is to, to make these paintings in, in caves takes a lot of effort. So why did our ancestors go out of their way to create pictures not only pictures, but pictures of unnatural beings in, in, in these caves where only a few people could see them. And like I said, they, these, these have been found all over the world in various cultures separated by vast amounts of time and space. And so that's crazy enough. And, and, it, and it starts to get even crazier because the idea is, is that these beings that they were drawing, these mythological creatures were actually real. And not only were they real, but they actually might be teachers that gave us gifts and knowledge. And so the idea is, is that these were teachers and that these ancient cultures were able to they they were able to access these these beings by going into the to, to the spirit world by entering what's called a trance state. And, and you can get into these trance states by, by various methods, such as psychedelics, meditation, fasting, sensory deprivation, deprivation, 
Debt provision. <laughs> um, there are lots of different methods to get into these trans states, but into those trans states project you into essentially what's called the spirit world or the world of the supernatural, and that's where they encountered these beings, and these beings then provided them with gifts and knowledge which helped further along our development. So that's essentially kind of the, the beginning of the book, focusing on this cave art, focusing on 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 the similarities between between the cave art. And so then the next part is essentially exploring the spirit world and and the teachers. So to do that, uh, Graham Hancock goes, he, he starts exploring, he, or he goes down to the jungles of Peru, does a bunch of ayahuasca, talks to a lot of the sh- shamans, studies a lot of the myths, ancient myths and tales from all around the world, looks at recent UFO abduction data and, and listens to the stories and even studies and analyzes modern psychedelic studies. Basically, what he's looking for is what are the commonalities between all these different things, whether it's drinking ayahuasca, whether it's being abducted by UFOs, whether it's tales of, of fairies in, in places such as Ireland or, or modern psychedelic studies, there's what are the similarities, if any, between people that have participated in these types of things. And so there were, there were a lot of similarities. Um, people saw non-human entities, these half-man Half animals seem to be whether whether you were abducted by UFOs or or you were taking ayahuasca or things like fairies and stuff. The accounts of of, of people having encounters with these non human entities can be found all over the world. Also, for a lot of especially in the more shamanic cultures, going into the spirit world has been essentially this rite of passage, right? It's, it's been thought of as a place that you go to learn and, and gain knowledge. Also, another similarity is, is the passing of information, whether it was the modern psychedelic studies, the UFO abductions, people seem to were given some sort of knowledge that, that they oftentimes didn't leave these places empty handed. And also there were medical experiments, and even sexual relationships. And here's where the book kind of gets a a little weird or maybe really weird because it starts talking about relationships and, and spirit families. And it talks about that, again, one of, the, one of the similarities, no matter what, is that people oftentimes have sex with these different entities. And... Look, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely down to you know get jiggy with a with a spirit creature, but it, it starts talking about hybrid babies and kids and all this stuff. And you know, I don't know. This part of the book is it's got a weird sense. Like you know, it's like all of a sudden I'm going to the spirit world to have a little bit of fun. Next thing you know, I have some kids, and and what am I supposed to do with this? I got I have to pay child support. I don't understand how this is working, but it, it, it really does get weird. It talks about hybrid babies. It talks about females being abducted to nurse these babies. And some of these babies were sickly and, and babies were being stolen. And so really weird section of the book. But again, this is what 
the data is showing these types of experiences have been documented all over the world. But but the good news is is all that kind of weird hybrid alien baby stuff seems to have stopped. It's almost, he he proposes this theory that we are evolving along with these other entities and, and that whatever we were doing in the past, it doesn't seem like we need to be doing that anymore. So that's kind of the, the good news. If, If you read the book, you, you'll understand what I mean. That's a weird section, but, um, despite all that, um, the general consensus of anybody kind of accessing these supernatural supernatural realms via psychedelics, meditation, fasting, sen- sensory deprivation, whatever it is, long periods of dance, the overall um, interaction of going into that world always seems to be for the best. And, you know, my own experiences with, with things like ayahuasca, which I've done several times and in mushrooms that I have also seen interactions with non-human entities. I've also received knowledge, lots of downloads and information being passed to me. And it's been very weird all, you know, not having sex with weird spirit entities, weird, but I've seen a lot of weird things. But what's very interesting is it's not random. It's weird, but not random. There seems to be some sort of order. Um, my experiences have been uncomfortable, which is again, a similarity between all the things explored in the book, but overall it's been beneficial. So basically that kind of middle section of the book is, is presenting a great case to say that both the spirit world and these entities that have been encountered are in fact real. And so how this works is the the theory proposes that our brain is actually a receiver. Thinking of our brain as more of an antenna. See, one thing that I found interesting is our we are conscious, but we don't necessarily know where consciousness comes from. So what I mean by that is our brain doesn't create it, or at least modern scientists cannot find the mechanism in our brain that creates consciousness. So the, so the idea is that our brain is actually like an antenna and our conscious and it's tuning in to our consciousness and our brain is tuning into our realities. And even, even more so our brain is not only like an antenna, but it's more like a, a reducer limiting the amount of information that comes into us. See, we're surrounded by vast amounts of information. And so we have to essentially reduce the amount of stimulus that comes into our brain. Otherwise we would just be overwhelmed. So our brain reduces the amount of information all around us and present it, present it to us. And, and that's essentially how we experience life. So psychedelics, fasting, meditation, all those various methods to get into the trance state, they essentially 
expand our consciousness. They allow our brain, the the reducer, to to broaden its horizons a little bit, which gives us access to higher dimensions. And so now, this is kind of where the book gets really interesting. Um, that we we might be accessing knowledge. A lot of the knowledge that we're gaining from from the spirit or supernatural world may actually be in our DNA, that we actually have hidden messages in our DNA. I know this is sounding very crazy. Hopefully I'm doing somewhat of a good job trying to explain this. You definitely will have to read the book if any of this sounds of interest to you. But So there's a lot of interesting aspects about our DNA. Um, one, this is another similarity that's found in ancient art is snakes forming this double helix. They're found everywhere. Um, the caduceus, basically the symbol that you see on ambulances, which is two snakes making that DNA symbol going around a staff. Um, that's actually an ancient symbol. So, um, the idea that our so there's this idea out there that our ancient ancestors not only knew about uh, DNA, but they actually knew that it it contained information, or maybe they even put some information in there. So there's this idea of what's called junk DNA, which is a very interesting term. So what that is is. So 2 to 7% of our DNA is what's considered coding DNA. Basically, that means it's responsible for who we are, everything about us. Everything that we are is only is, is made up by 2 to 7% of our DNA, which means that 93 to 98% of our DNA is what's considered non-coding DNA. And what that really means is science, scientists have no idea what it does. So they've actually termed, they, they've um, coined the term junk DNA because they say it, it serves as no function and it was just left over as a product of our evolution. Um, I actually think that that term junk DNA, you know, if I, if I was a conspiracy theorist, that uh, that was chosen as a for a reason and and to, to for it to almost downplay what what this junk DNA possibly is because other people argue that this junk DNA may contain hidden information. Um, you know the ideas of of evolution to, to DNA is very costly and and expensive metabolically so it it wouldn't make sense from an evolutionary standpoint just to bring this stuff along if it had no purpose but um anyway let me want to have a little some give you some fun facts about dna because this book really opened my eyes up to dna and i had no idea how fascinating this stuff is so some fun facts is it's in all living things. Everything that's alive has DNA. And so our DNA contains so much information that if you took 
all the DNA out of our body and you and you stretched it out, it could stretch to the earth from the earth to the sun and back 600 times. Yeah, that's true, apparently. So basically, if you unwound and linked together the strands of DNA in each of our cells, they, they would be approximately six feet long. We have over a hundred trillion cells in our body. So that means if all the DNA in our body was put together end to end, it would stretch over 110 billion miles. So take that for what it's worth. Crazy stuff. Um, Every human being shares 99% of their DNA with every other human being. So that basically means that we are 99% alike. We are more alike than we are different. So always keep that in mind. Um, we have nine, 98% of our DNA we share with our with the common chimpanzee. So only 2% of our DNA dip makes us different from a chimpanzee. Um, if you could write 60 words per minute, eight hours a day, it would take approximately 50 years to type the human genome. So again, this is just, these are fascinating because it's showing you how much information is in our DNA. And then you think of only 2% is, is, a, is responsible for our daily or of who we are. And that 98% of it is, we don't know what it does. Ah, uh, very interesting. Another fun fact about DNA is Francis Crick, one of the discoverers of DNA, on his deathbed conve- uh, um, said that he he discovered DNA while on LSD. He took a bunch of LSD and this idea of DNA and the vision for it came and then he was able to discover it shortly after. Um, he also, Francis Crick, also believed that DNA was so complex that it had to come from somewhere else. He essentially said which is was called the idea of panspermia, that life was seeded on this planet from somewhere else because that's how complicated and complex DNA is. He's a believer that there's no way random events could create DNA. Um, so kind of to wrap up the final theory of the book is, is basically saying that our DNA contains knowledge from something, some higher power, some higher power, power located in this sorry i'm gonna start that again so basically the theory of the book says that our it's saying that our dna contains knowledge right something put it there it's located in this junk section and it's it's put there and it because as almost like a, a test like it's only accessible once a species has reached a certain level of consciousness. Once they achieve a certain level of consciousness, then they're able to access this information. And, you know, this, the idea of maybe this is how our ancient ancestors, maybe our ancient ancestors knew how to do this, right? There's a lot of questions about how the pyramids were built. A lot of, a lot of fascinating things that took place in our ancient ancient past. So, so maybe we used to be able to do that. Maybe we can learn again, whatever. There's a lot of information there. So the book is well documented and it presents a crazy yet fascinating theory that that's backed up with a, a lot of research. And 
like you said, a lot of the facts about the DNA just just blow your mind. So I highly recommend this book. Um, this will give you just a good insight into this kind of world of of shamanism and psychedelic and altered states of mind and gives you a good history of how all these that altered states are in our history. They are part of who we are and they are part of who we become. So give that book a, give that book a read. Let me know if you like it. Hit me up. Other than that, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>